Welcome everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. It feels like it's been weeks since I've released a new episode of the podcast, even though it's only been one. But we are back with a vengeance this week. And I was looking and it's the beginning of February, but in my head, all I can think about is March because you have the WPW show beginning of March, which is already sold out. You have AEW Revolution. You have AEW Dynamite in Winnipeg on the March 15th. The next day, Time Bomb Pro is running a show down in Fargo. You have a CWE show at the end of the month, right before WrestleMania weekend. And you also have 3D Pro making its return on March 30th. So, I mean, it is an action-packed month but this thursday february 9th out in edmonton top talent wrestling is putting on an absolute banger of a card i mean you have harlan abbott facing off with masha slamovich masha just recently wrestled here for wpw you have my best friend tom lawler facing off with former guest of the show mitch clark there's a whole bunch more matches including draco facing off with my guest this week on the podcast Colton Kelly. Colton talks about being a second generation wrestler. He talks about just how wrestling has changed from his first experiences growing up with wrestling to how it has now. He shares some stories. He also talks about upcoming shows he's been a part of and so much more. So without further ado on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, Colton Kelly. Now, when you were growing up, how integral was wrestling to your childhood? Well, it's crazy because it's the first time we're ever talking. So, like, I was born into it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, like, starts instantly. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. So, what do you remember most growing up? Like, what was your first memory of professional wrestling? So, that's where it's tricky because, like, I'm second generation. So, my dad was a wrestler. Okay. And then, by the time I'm even, like aware of life existing like there's wrestling in my face so like it starts very quickly so from the get-go it's been like yeah. seconded yeah yeah it's immediate right and it's not like i was not raised with hockey i was not raised with football i didn't like i didn't watch sports i watched wrestling like mm-hmm. that was like there wasn't a world outside of that so see that like something like that it it amazes me because i know as a kid growing up like i was a fan of professional wrestling but then oh you like hockey like soccer but to almost immerse yourself just in professional wrestling at a young age that's that's really like from the get-go you've had wrestling in your blood yeah it's it's like a instantaneous thing and it is a weird perspective because especially now that there's a lot more of my peers are my age because that's kind of it's the first time in my life that like that's happening mm-hmm. um, because I started at 14. So you got to imagine there wasn't really a lot of other kids running around. No, not at all. <laughs> and so now that I like, look at the locker room and everyone's my age, it's just like the entry points are all so much different mm-hmm. and the, the level in which um, they have like a a passion and a drive to catch up is also very different to me. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, 
perspectives that I share because I was always around it mm-hmm. that like other people don't have that I'm almost like more curious what that aspect of life would be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, you mentioned being, you know, a second generation wrestler. So obviously you were going to shows at a young age for yourself. That yeah. that must have been quite the experience seeing all of that firsthand. Uh, yeah, but it was just like, it was, I was watching like my uncles and my dad and like I was watching like my family members go and like tell stories. Like mm-hmm. there was like a, there was never... I never had like the aha moment where it like clued into me that it wasn't like legitimate. Mm-hmm. That never existed. That never like that never lived with me at like one bit. I was always like a a smart fan like from the get go. Yeah, because there was not really like there. I don't think, especially with like what my dad's style was, he was like a hardcore wrestler, right? Like predominantly in the nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Early two thousands. So like what he was doing wasn't something that they wanted me to look at as like, Oh, he's going and putting himself in harm's way. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there was no, like Noel Foley moment for me where I'm like crying at ringside. Yeah. Like we, there was a show, um, I want to say it was in Two Hills, Alberta, and it was, like, in front of, like, my mom's half of the family. And then uh, one of the guys got up and, like, bashed him over the face with, like, one of those, like, old ceramic, like, ashtrays that bars used to have. Yeah. And it cut the top of his eyebrow, and his eyebrow, like, fell, like, past his eye socket. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, Dad, you go get it. <laughs> like, I was like, that. It, I just they told me so that like I wouldn't get upset about it. Yeah. And then I never, I never looked at it as like anything different. Like I, instead of being like all super, like, like I was never the Miz girl. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I never was like (laughs) the fan who was caught unaware. Like, I think one year, I like the bus stop, I think I predicted to a kid that like CM Punk was going to win money in the bank twice in a row because Vince McMahon loved that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like that's how, like, I was like talking like that, like as a kid, mm-hmm. like when uh, Mayweather like broke Big Show's nose, I just like heard kids talking about it at school and like calling it fake and stuff. And I'm just like, well, you guys don't know the difference. Like there's, there's a difference between something that's like, worked in something that's like shoot right mm-hmm. and that was kind of it was frustrating growing up like going to school hearing kids talk about wrestling and knowing i had to shut my mouth yeah because i wasn't gonna win like one way or another like i was gonna be the weird wrestling kid right like it was still <laughs> very much like that yeah i mean i vividly have memories growing up being that weird wrestling kid you know just because like to me being a fan, like watching it on TV, like immersing yourself in it. Like I was fully invested, you know, like to me, it was real. Of course. But as a 10 year old kid, like you don't know any better, you know, someone tells you it's fake and you're just like, what are you talking about? You know, like you get upset about it. So. Yeah, of course. Like there's like fun moments in that as well though. Cause like, I remember one kid on the swing set. Cause I was like living with my mom. So I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, she was a bit of a content cop growing up. So like that was <laughs> fun. Um, but then uh, 
I was like on the swing set with a kid and he looked at me and he was like, so they're changing the name to WWE. And I was like, they would never <laughs> Vince McMahon would roll in his grave before that ever happened. Like I was like so furious, yeah. but I had no idea what was going on. Cause I wasn't like allowed to watch the product. So like, uh, you know, like I would hear things and then my like knowledge of wrestling would like lead me to buy into it mm-hmm. in a fun way. So there's always like, Wrestling gets you one way or another, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, as a kid, when we were talking, you mentioned, you know, when you first started wrestling and that. And so I'm trying to pinpoint that's like, you were a fan probably just after like the ruthless aggression area had started or did you, were you in the attitude? 95. 95. Okay. So like, um, like if we want to have like a first real like decision to watch wrestling thing, mm-hmm. um, Sunday morning cartoons on a channel. Yeah. So I don't know, like, yeah, probably still at the time they was on like cross Canada, the same channel. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was on a channel after the Saturday morning cartoons, after that, like real terrible live action Ninja Turtle show where they like added the girl and stuff. Okay. It was like after like Pinky and the yeah I'm like weird for TV schedules anyway, <laughs> um so it was after the Ninja Turtles live action show, the relaunch of Stampede Wrestling would come on yes, and that's where my dad was wrestling okay so I would get to watch Dad wrestle on TV every Sunday so that's like that would be kind of the closest thing to like me seeking wrestling out back in like the territory days you know mm-hmm. what i mean like watch it with my grandparents kind of thing yeah because that would be like i'm going to like watch dad on tv mm-hmm. and then um like rob van dam really early because like that's the thing i saw like a lot of like ecw stuff and japanese stuff and i was like not just spoon fed the wwe product because my dad was a worker so like mm-hmm. he was like I I still have like a couple hundred like VHSs with like from like the tape trading days just like yeah. sitting in my garage because I'm just never gonna let go of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was always just like it was different because you knew what the iceberg was and how it looked like, but like everyone else just like willing to like run into the Titanic, right? Like mm-hmm. there like you knew how big the wrestling world was and like how much was out there and how diverse like an art form it can be Mm -hmm. and then like you go into the real world and like people just like ask you if it's fake like it's just so or like if i'd be like my dad's a wrestler they'd go like is he stone cold and it's like Mm -hmm. well no because not everyone's stone cold there's like only one of them like it's (laughs) yeah so well, it's true because I remember the first time that I I met a wrestler. It was uh, uh, just a local guy who ended up. He worked at uh, Safeway with my mom. My mom introduced yeah. me to him, and and I was just like, "Oh, did have you wrestled anyone famous?" And he's like, "Well, the most famous person I wrestled was Bret Hart." And to me, at that age, that was still like a really cool thing. It was uh, just you know, it's, uh, it's still a big deal. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. But then later on, like I got to know more about him, and this was only a few years ago. And then I and through talking to people, like. 
I learned that he wrestled in front of like 10,000 people in Mexico and he had this big, long career. Yeah. And it's just like, you, you don't really expect something like that. And, and then no. it, it's, uh, it's really eye opening when it does happen. For sure. Well, like, I mean, even if you're looking at just like mainstream guys, like so much of people's careers that like 10, 15 years later get like surfaced through people still like preserving these like pieces of history. Right. Mm -hmm. Even like the, the Tom McGee match, right? Like that's the thing that's talked about for 30 years. And like, realistically that guy's history is connected to the fact that like he had an incredible match against Bret Hart and no one ever saw it. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's going to live in like in like wrestling infamy, you know, or not infamy, but like, yeah, that's his that's his moment in wrestling. And for a lot of guys that like a lot of guys I grew up with, a lot of guys that like I really admire as like people and family, because like to me, like that's how like close like wrestling is entrenched into my life is like I look at like like all of these people as family. And that becomes difficult when you're trying to like carve a career out but that's a whole other like topic of conversation um (laughs) but like there's a lot of guys that gave their lives to this business that might only have a moment and it's probably not their favorite moment you know what i mean like it's it there's like there's a guy here that like jericho mentioned in his book where he got just like the first book where he gets like distracted looking at himself in the titan tron and it's like yeah that happens to people like it sucks that that's your moment that like people are going to talk about but like Mm -hmm. it happens and i think that like the industry as a whole because of like the way we've had to like protect the industry and like there is such a large separation between us as performers and us as people. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a character based like industry in a way that like you're almost rewarded for how like much you can hide who you really are. Mm-hmm. Um, It becomes really tough on those guys. And sometimes they cling to that bad moment, even if it's, or not their bad moment, but their kind of most sort of notable moment, even if it's not their proudest, right? Yeah. Like, I have a tough time with, uh, like, I got, like, a holy grit. Like, there's obviously, like, three staples of, like, wrestling in mainstream culture, right? And we got Ready to Rumble, we got Beyond the Mat, and The Wrestler. Yeah. It's probably the three best ways that wrestling's been depicted, like, in pop culture. And the wrestlers super, super tough because I know a lot of those dudes. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that like anything they did was less valid. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. And you see those like scenes like resurge and how like people like people got super into world of sport again a couple of years ago. And like, like I think everyone has their like moment in the sun. It's just when history like deems that it's time, you know? Mm hmm. You see a lot, like even with in culture and stuff like that, like uh, what's popular nowadays, things come in cycles, you know, what might have been popular for fashion 20 years ago, you see that coming back now. And sometimes it's almost the same with wrestling and different styles and just what people get into. So like you mentioned with the world of sports, so that, you know, it came back through and it's, you know, that was, uh, we'll say like that could be the starting fandom for a whole new generation of people. A hundred percent. 
Well, you just look at the way the the UK scene blew up in that time period, mm-hmm. and how just like like what a wonder like there's a lot that's come out about that time period and like recent history, but yeah. like for like the actual wrestling product and it, like, well, that's another weird thing about wrestling. It was like, there's so many, cause we're all like we degenerates and like little like circus performers that like, there's so many weird characters in like our histories and stuff, but that British scene was on fire mm-hmm. and like the way people were progressing, the quality of talent, how young they all were like, that's it's yeah. It's bar none, you know? I mean, you mentioned being a second generation wrestler. Was it an easy decision for you to get involved with wrestling as a performer? I don't know. It was, um, I was like pushed kind of not to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was really like worried about like a lot of brain stuff. Um, watch my dad kind of go through sort of like tumultuous periods and stuff with like his health by virtue of the fact that he was doing hardcore wrestling in that time period. So like a lot of precautions that are taken now weren't taken back then. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, so I came to it on my own because I had to. Um, My dad told me that like in no way shape or form did he have any interest in training me mm-hmm. so i had to go figure that out on my own um mostly to the fact that he knew that he would probably just ride my ass to like a point that like wasn't fair yeah um so yeah like but then i was behind closed doors because like i was a child and mm-hmm. i looked like a child and no one wanted to see a kid get beat up mm-hmm. So I spent like four years training before I was able to get on shows. Okay. So it's like a weird timeline where it's like, I was actively like wrestling, but like no one saw me. So, and that's kind of like the Canadian thing, isn't it? Right. Like we do all this work behind closed doors and we don't have the exposure. And then by the time we get on an on an international scale, blow people's minds because we've been working for 10 years. Like, <laughs> The the amount of people who I've talked to on here who said, you know, like, oh, they, they got their start actually doing backyard wrestling or yeah. something of that nature, you know, that isn't, you know, maybe the most, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? We'll say legit entry point into it. It's In still, the cult. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It, it's a, a very viable starting point for a lot of people. And it's allowed so many people, so many wrestlers to, you know, get that was their starting point and they've been able to have successful careers. And well, and I think some of the guys, some of the guys that start outside of like the quote unquote system, like the wrestling culture, um, cause it's, it's its own world. And, um, you don't really get told much and that's mm-hmm. kind of been documented, right? Like you kind of like jump into it and you trip and fall along the way and you have to deal with all these characters and, you really like put through the paces. So like, I think that's why, like, especially it's, it's been pretty like crazy to watch because like the entire industry has gotten young mm-hmm. and I've been like around for a long time. So it's like, it can be like a bit of like a, like a mind trip, you know? Cause I'm like, what? Like, 
the best guys in the world are like 19, 20. Like mm-hmm. I was like being discouraged from being on shows. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. wasn't, it just wasn't like that when I started. Like we're like, I did, I actually figured out the, the, the year, like the other day talking to a guy. So I like had to do the math, but like I started in 2009, like it was a different world. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that, and it's funny because, you know, say, you know, 20 years ago, you would never have someone like, uh, say, a Nick Wayne, who's, no, who's no, no, just turned, who's only turning just or just turned 18 or is about to, you know, like you would never see someone like that be put in the position that he was, you know, and it's, it's, it's there very was one. interesting to see. There was one. It was Ray Mysterio. That was it. Like mm-hmm. that. That was it. Like no one. Like yeah, guys started young. Like guys started at like eighteen, nineteen, and you just didn't know because the internet wasn't around. Mm-hmm. But like, but yeah, like the 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 traditional age is like twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the guys that actually like make it on an international level or a worldwide stage and whatnot, and you go holy shit, those guys are so, like, incredibly talented because, like, the amount of, like, skill, luck, how, like, many intricacies there are to this world, if you can get successful quick, like, all the power to you. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's so, it's so, so hard to get anywhere in this business. And you have to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And... Not everyone wants to make those sacrifices. And that's just like you hear coming up a lot that whole like if you don't want to be WWE champion, get out of the business thing. Yeah. And there's a level in which sure that's valid, but like I think people have just like in life, I think people have different levels in which like they view success as. Mm-hmm. And so like if you're a guy that just wants to wrestle, like as long as you're doing your best, like there's some people that shouldn't be in the business and there's no like, there's no weeding out process anymore because mm-hmm. like those tactics were like quite brutal and like not always. And I mean, in a way justified, but like not always the best. And now like, when you hear about guys talking about how like the industry's soft and stuff, it's like, sure, like those guys will have that like viewpoint and that perspective, but like, you don't need to like physically break people to get them to realize that like they should maybe have a different role in this industry. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that I think that's definitely like things changed, you know, for the better with how people get treated and stuff like that, you know? So I think that's definitely one of those, a positive that's come a long way. I think there's a strong effort. Mm -hmm. I think like across the board, there's a really strong effort for like us to kind of understand our worth as a community, not just as like individuals. Um, it also takes a lot to pursue this thing, right? So, like, mm-hmm. a, like most of us are working, like, long freaking jobs. Most of us are doing crazy drives. We're balancing personal lives. We're trying to put our best foot forward, making these shows, making these towns. And then, like, like over the last two years, you can really see that, like, Canada is doing it at, like, a contemporary level, like, across the board. Mm-hmm. And, like, the mentality is really, like, our 
changing and there's like a definite like um there's proof in that right you see so many more guys going to winnipeg like i i've got regular bookings in saskatchewan for prairie pro wrestling like uh, you got michael richard blaze and the clandestine society going out to bc every month like it's it's and then guys coming here you know like we we wouldn't you'd get like the indie talents and stuff and like the the bigger American names that would come in, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't get the Judas Icaruses or the um, Von Vertigos. Like there, there was not really any desire to bring in like interprovincial talents. No, you'd be much more willing to bring in, you know, someone who's more of a, an established name, you know? Yeah. And that's definitely something that's changed where you're seeing guys who will, you, you know, I'll say, my go-to is saying state of emergency. You know, you see yeah, them get brought into Alberta, work, you know, three or four shows and yeah. then they go back, you know, and it yeah. opens the gateway to do more out there for them, you know? So I love the seeing that, you know, P- there's so many talented wrestlers in Canada. It's incredible seeing them get the opportunities to show their craft, you know, if they've started in Alberta, being able to make that move over to BC, making that move to Saskatchewan, progressing yeah. farther east. So I think that is something that, we should be very proud of that we've progressed that far. No, for sure. I think COVID helped in a lot of ways. Like I don't want to be that guy who brings up COVID, but like, mm-hmm. but like it it gave people kind of an opportunity. Like especially for me, like I, regardless of what my like public output was, I kind of went nonstop for ten years and then needed a forced break to kind of reevaluate some stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people did that. And I think we're now just starting to see the proof of that. Right. Guys that maybe not like weren't feeling it anymore, like went away guys that wanted to came back stronger. You're getting less like um, less sort of, I mean, AEW helped in a, like a huge way to show that like cooperation between major companies only does good for people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it broke down kind of those like promotional boundaries where it sometimes felt like the messaging was like, you guys aren't good enough to be seen twice. And that definitely like changed. You saw people p- schedules pick up. People pursued like new endeavor. Like I think it only did good for people in a way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you look at like wrestling as a scene, we couldn't go anywhere, and no one could come here. So we became bigger stars, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing. Like that's really like that's it's good that people want to see WrestleCore. It's good that people want to see like what's going on in Montreal. Like it's fucking awesome that AEW is going to like Winnipeg and doing like these, sh- like these are great things mm-hmm. that like we can be really like happy and proud of that. Like we've been able to get to this point, you know, it wasn't like this. <laughs> no, I mean, before when, you know, there would be uh, a- an independent show, you know, say local promotions running this Saturday night you know, the place could maybe be, you know, a third full or, you know, half full. But now it seems after COVID hit and you weren't able to go to those shows, you couldn't go to movies. Now you see a show and it's close to selling out. So there's been some big changes when it comes to that being, having it all kind of taken away. 
now you're more uh, appreciative of it. Well, and from like the Alberta perspective, we we've had incredible houses like through the years. Mm-hmm. Like we would get like really, really incredible turnouts. But the consistency in which those turnouts would come has gone up. Mm-hmm. The amount of times we're able to wrestle has significantly gone up. We were doing like that's where it's tough to say like, and you hear people kind of like um, in like the larger wrestling like conversation like talk about it and stuff. But like when you talk about like the quantity or number of matches and stuff, like by effect of how the industry was set up, we weren't able to get a lot of shows. So then when you talk about how many years you've been doing it, there's always an argument between like more matches is better than more years and blah, 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 blah. Right. There's like all sorts of like different arguments on how to qualify and quantify like how skilled you are. And it's very like weird for a subjective art form. And I think that like the fact that the industry as a whole is moving forward and that like the, the appreciation for the level of storytelling has come back in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that people and like that's the, like what we were talking about earlier is that like there's so many diverse and different ways to be good at this art form mm-hmm. that qualifying it by like build or like some of the like more traditional ways that we would think about wrestling is definitely nice that we're in like a more progressive era, you know? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I mean, you mentioned the like amount of shows going on, you know, you can any given weekend, we'll say in Alberta, chances are there is a wrestling show going on and it's just, Oh no, it's not like any, it's every weekend. See, there you go. And yeah, it's not <laughs> there, there. Last year there was a, um, there was like one sp- particular day that if you on a map drew all the way up the province there was a wrestling show going on yeah you'll get to the shows in edmonton you'll get a show in calgary okotoks you know fort mcmurray all of that uh i wanted to talk because i mean you've been one lately i mean you've wrestled recently you wrestled top talent you know the last weekend or two weekends ago you were wrestling for big vision i mean yeah these opportunities uh, like what do they mean to you? Because you're someone who's been able to wrestle all throughout the prairies and, you know, these new promotions keep popping up and you're getting chances there. So that's gotta be a great, uh, great kudos to you. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's weird. Cause I had like a legitimate home promotion for the first three quarters of my career. Mm-hmm. Like I wrestled for PWA or Prairie Wrestling Alliance, like pretty much exclusively so um i think it's always a good opportunity to find new things about myself i find that every promotion brings something different out of me Mm -hmm. um whether that's the fan bases the venues the environment the ring that's like a big thing for me different rings i'll perform in differently um it's very fluid, right? Like you don't really know how like a, an event's going to go until you're in the middle of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, um, I like that. I'm at like a point in my career where 
I can walk out of a curtain and people may not know who I am, but I know that I've got like something to show them. Yeah. Um, it's always a chance for me to prove myself. I think all these are like new opportunities for new promotions and stuff. It's like, um, it can be like, uh, a, a way for me to validate myself and my aspirations in my career. I know like that sounds weird, right? Like you want to like, you want to hear, like see like a confident performer. You want to like, you want to know that like someone has you like, whether you know it or not, right. You go to a magic show. If a guy's like stumbling around, like you're not going to believe his tricks. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but realistically, because of my experience and like my, journey in this world i do feel i have to prove myself every time i step in a ring yeah and when that goes well and i get the people behind me or like back in the day i get people that like really 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 want to like kick the shit out of me mm-hmm. um that was just proof that i was able to do my job that night mm-hmm. i'm one of those guys that like i'll like Driving up to a building, I'll think I for like don't know how to wrestle anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, this past <laughs> summer, I mean, I was fortunate enough. I I was out in Calgary. I went to an RCW show. I got to see you and TJ Cannon wrestling. I mean, oh and, sick, yeah. And I mean, you guys were able to tell an incredible story that the entire crowd was fully invested in. It was that out of that jacket pull that I like cranked my head on, eh? I think so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah, no, uh, that was a fun match. Yeah, like it's. I'm always interested when, you know, because nowadays there's so many distractions in life, you know, whether it's being on your phone or talking to someone. So for wrestlers to go out there and have everyone just eating out of the palm of their hand, I mean, that is something that not everyone can pull off. No, for sure. Um, Yeah, like you're asking people to like relinquish themselves to you. And mm-hmm. there is like a level in which you have to like know what you're doing and like to like, obviously everyone gets their like start at different points and you got to figure it out. And I think wrestling, um, wrestling does like, and like the audience does a good job of letting people develop. Mm-hmm. Like they know that that's like a, like audience members are aware that like people don't get good on day one. Mm-hmm. So there's a level in which like, and just like buying into like the concept of professional wrestling, there's like a level in which you have to give yourself over. But once you're able to start like manipulating those, those, um, those good intentions, uh, that's when you like really start to like know that you're like working your craft. Um, and I always love like being able to like find a surprise in something within the confines of how a wrestling story is told that Mm -hmm. surprises people. Like people aren't necessarily expecting a match to start in an entrance. People aren't necessarily um, like, it's weird that this is like the, the thing that comes to mind, but like part of the reason why the Montreal screw jobs like, so like revered and talked about is like, the fact that like you legitimately didn't know what was going on, like mm-hmm. as an audience member, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. people don't, it, it's not the resolution isn't necessarily what makes people happy in wrestling. Right. It's mm-hmm. the journey. 
you're looking at it with like the bloodline stuff right now like when this is all said and done people are gonna be like well i wish we were back like in the middle of it you know what i mean mm -hmm. like people like that's the the thing about wrestling that's been said like eloquently and like dumbly and stuff but like the fact that it's like an ongoing journey all the time is what people like about it. It's something you can follow that you can like trace. And like you said, in, I don't know if it was like in the show or before, but like in five, 10 years, when we all kind of reach like later chapters in our stories and stuff, this is a living document of like the moment in which like I was 27 and was still figuring it out you know what i mean like that's yeah. cool stuff right you go back like the old art of wrestlings and stuff like hearing people like because that was a big thing is that like no one really talked about if like they were happy doing it or like and i think those are good things you know what i mean mm -hmm. the internet's helped in more ways than i think it's damaged the industry like people like to say you know what i mean well, I think it's important, you know, like we have all these tools at our disposal and for so many years, things went, I want to say like, not, it's not that they weren't acknowledged. It's not, it's that they weren't given a chance to show that they were there. You know, there was no documentation. Yeah. You didn't see matches being recorded and uploaded to YouTube for the entire world to see. You didn't see interviews and news articles. So the the fact that we're able to document all of this history that's happening before our eyes and to, to be able to go back and look and be like, yeah, you know, I saw so-and-so wrestle yeah. this venue back then, you know, and it's, we, we miss so much of that. So now I think it's important that we start and continue to do that. Well, in Canada, still kind of like behind, like as a whole, sort of like culturally and stuff. Like yeah. people don't really get that, like the '90s was the '70s, and like you know, like we're like culturally, like we're quite behind, especially like in Alberta. And so, um, there's still a level in which when you find us, we're like underground and cool still. Like there mm -hmm. is like those like ECW feelings at times. There is like this hidden treasure that still hasn't been found. And you see it in like Vancouver and the Pacific Northwest and stuff. Like there are pockets in where, which we as a scene are being celebrated now. Mm -hmm. And in my whole life in and around wrestling, like we didn't always have that. Yeah. And that's like a special thing, right? Like you can't, um, you can't like it's not uh i'm trying to think of the word it's not fabricated you know what i mean like you have to build that naturally mm -hmm. and wrestling is something that on the grassroots level like this the independent scene is the very diy the very punk rock attitude and you see so many similarities between the two so that's where for sure you know you don't see the whole corporateness to it no, and I think it really shocks people still, like to like to their core. And I don't mm -hmm. like really mean that lightly, because you take a lot of people that kind of would write off wrestling in like the sort of public and mainstream ways that is presented that a lot of people see, mm -hmm. and you get them to a live show and they don't look back. Yeah, like almost never. Like people don't really get. Uh, there ha probably hasn't been a day in my life where I haven't heard like, oh, wrestling's a thing here. 
Like, you know, like there's like with how many eyes we do have on us now. And part of that is the fact that like, just like the industry's gotten younger, our audience base has gotten younger again. Mm -hmm. Like we're actually now seeing that like eight, like in Alberta, we have a lower drinking age. Winnipeg's crazy too, right? You guys drink it like 16 with parental consent. (laughs) 18. (laughs) Um. But you want like that 18 to like 34 year old uh, that wants a night out in like an area that doesn't really present very many diverse nights out Mm -hmm. when they find wrestling as an option, they're coming back, you know, like they people don't realize that we're doing at a contemporary level that Mm -hmm. what you're seeing on our shows is not that much different from what you see on TV. Obviously, like they are incredible. And the level in which the ease certain things comes to them because of like how crazy like the reps of doing TV and all these live shows and everything are like the fluidity of some of those performers is just like bar none, right? Mm-hmm. But like you'll see people working at their dreams, like trying really hard to get better at a live show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you mentioned, you know, like for an 18 year old, they go to a wrestling show, they have a fun time, they keep going. And it's, it's the thing where it's like, it's a constant. They know that they'll go to that. They'll be able to submerse themselves for three hours and the, the action going on, follow the storylines and just be able to enjoy themselves. I tell like, that's, always been kind of one of my highest selling points is like in entertainment today, there's no better bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Get anywhere from a three to five hour show for anywhere from 15 to $25 on the high end. There's nothing better. Mm-hmm. And you get to like interact with the performers as it's happening and have a real impact on like the, the quality and the success of the show that doesn't exist anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People just don't get that, right? They just look at it as like this one-dimensional like thing for children. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's nowadays even with wrestling. I mean, it's funny because you say like you know people will be like, "Oh, wrestling's for children," but you can go and in any we we could name each province and the different promotions in each one, and you have a promotion that is actually you know dedicated more towards a yeah. younger audience. You of have course. one for like the 18 to 40 crowd, you know, that they can go have some craft beers and watch wrestling, you know, things like that. Or you have like the ones that'll do like the really different stuff and put on a completely different presentation that still has a a fan base just grabbing at it. So it's just those options. I just think there's still a misconception that there's variety in the art form. Mm -hmm. So much variety. Like you said, there's so many different types of shows. There's so many different ways to present it. It's like, it's so malleable, even though it has such like a rigid set, like set of like cultural rules. Mm -hmm. It's very fascinating. Well, I went uh, last weekend. I went to a couple different shows. One night I was at the WPW show sold out crowd was hot all around those shows age. look incredible oh they are fantastic and yeah, it, i really like their setup and everything it's a, a great venue the, the the matches are always top to bottom like 
bangers. It's you know? cool, right? Like you yeah. want to you want to see like a lineup of people standing outside. Like there's there's certain things that like make something cool like across the board. And when wrestling hits that nail, it's untouchable. They they have that show, and it was a great time. You know, I had a blast there. The next night, I went to a CWE show. It's more garnered towards the the younger crowd. This one, but it was still, it was still a lot of fun. There was a ladder match. Everyone was loving it. The the wrestlers are interacting with the young kids, going back and forth. You know, like I'll laugh anytime when a wrestler wants to talk crap on an eight year old kid. You know, like and they're just bickering. You know, you have that. You have three D Pro who's they have an upcoming show with some great ideas going on, doing something different. And I just love that that's all right here in one place. And it's, it attracts different people, but it's all fun and everyone enjoys themselves. Yeah. I really think that we're at a point where it's like never been better for the audience and it's never been better for the wrestlers. And I think Mm -hmm. that's like a trajectory we want to stick on, obviously. Uh, now I got a couple more uh, points I want to hit on, and then yeah. I'm going to let you enjoy your Thursday night. Oh, but all good, man. It's been <laughs> um, fun. I'm really enjoying this conversation. It's good, it, and it's, I like it's a little bit uh, different than my normal. Like <laughs> I usually have like a rundown, but like we've been able just to go back we can and hit forth. The points I'm like, too. We yeah, I'm on, like I've, for whatever. I, I, I've I've this has been great. So um, I wanted to make sure we hit on all of your upcoming shows because i know you have quite a few ahead of you yeah for sure i have um we have the upcoming show with uh top talent wrestling um grab the date on that one for sure that one is that february 9th uh that's next thursday it is next thursday yeah Yeah. so that's the 9th of february in edmonton alberta at midway music hall um those shows have been awesome super like great like guest stars on that like i know we have uh mitch clark versus tom lawler so that's like a ufc like main event in a wrestling show so that's pretty fun i want to watch that one so badly yeah i know those shows have been like really really like cool um and then on the i want to say it's the 18th of february i'll verify that one sorry i'm not very prepared that's okay (laughs) i think it is the 18th because i was looking up uh yeah shows everywhere earlier today and i'm just to see what's around me and i was yeah so that's me and uh cannonball kelly no relation (laughs) um we've been uh in a little bit of uh uh a a there's a kerfuffle going on between Sheik Akbar Shabazz and LSS Senior out in Saskatchewan with the four of us. Mm-hmm. And um, so Sheik Akbar Shabazz has been on an uh, incredible title run. I can't take anything away from him. Longest PPW champion. Um, and in that tag match, whether I or Cannonball Kelly pin either one of them, we get a title shot against Sheik Akbar Shabazz. So nice. there's a lot of fun stuff in there. Um, RCW, I work for pretty regularly mm-hmm. here in Alberta. Um, they're running everywhere and anywhere. So those those shows can be found for at Real Canadian Wrestling. And then um, those are pretty much my what I got booked right now. So yeah. a lot of fun stuff. I'm trying to get like across... Uh, I'm getting outside of Alberta a little more. I'd love, like, I'm willing to travel and I'm available. So, <laughs> um, and I, 
I always ask for a match recommendation, one you're a fan of, whether so you, yeah. So you told me about this, and I yeah. prepared, and I kind of went overkill. That's I got okay. six matches. Hey, I'll take them. So, you ever see Pack versus Kara Noir? Uh, I have not. I've Incredible. only just started getting into Kara Noir. It's one of the most watchable matches I've ever seen in my life. The way they shoot it, the venue, it's top to bottom incredible. Okay. Um, Naruki Doi versus Kenta from friggin' Dragon Gate. Okay. I don't remember what year that is. That's ridiculous. Um, They're just kicking the living shit out of each other. I think it's from like 2008 or something. Paul London versus Davey Richards. ROH TV. Mm-hmm. Freaking Davy Richards gives Paul London a double stomp on the apron and uh, like caves his face in. It's a crazy thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Paul London's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, if not my favorite. So he had to be on the list. The King of the Mountain match with uh, Jeff Jarrett, R Truth, Christian Cage, Sting, and Abyss. That had to have been one of the first ones. Uh, it's number three. I oh, verified man. it today. <laughs> Incredible. That match is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett's just like being ridiculous. Sting's ridiculous. Everyone's just ridiculous. And it's such a like confounding match setup. It's amazing. I have all the time in the world for like early TNA Jeff Jarrett uh, because he just booked himself to be like the biggest dude, badass. Chaos. It's utter <laughs> chaos. He's incredible. <laughs> He's still incredible. Like this stuff with like the oh, it's it's too much. It's too much. I love it. I love it so much. And then uh, Necro versus Butcher versus Samoa Joe from like yeah. IWA Mid South. It's a standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, World's Greatest Tag Team versus the Kings of Wrestling from ROH TV episode one. That would be fun. That's Shelton Benjamin, Charlie Haas versus yeah. uh, uh, Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli. And then. Um, yeah, I could go on. <laughs> I, I like that. That was awesome. Um, some hidden gems that I could think of off the top of my head. I'm going to have to go watch enough Paul London, though. That's, it, that's... Well, and he's criminally underrated, too. Oh, criminally. I uh, like every three months, I'll try to like shoot my shot on Twitter. And it's not... <laughs> um, for those listening, if they're not already following you, where can they find you on social media? It's Colton Kelly 95 across all platforms. Colton, thank you so much for joining me. This was a blast. Oh, thanks, man. I had a really good time. Thank you so much to Colton Kelly for joining me on this week's episode of the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Thank you to him. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GrainmakerPod, up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast up on all podcast streaming platforms, so Apple, Spotify, Google, and I have t-shirts available, 25 bucks a piece. Hit me up, I will get you one, or go to whatamaneuver.net, search Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, and you can grab one off there. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.